Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there, welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. We are the podcast that look at the performance, the XG, the numbers and the stats of Celtic Football Club. My name is Andy Call and I'm joined on the line by Juco James and Alan Morrison, Celtic by Numbers. Guys, how are we getting on? All right, thanks, Enda. Hi, guys. Good. Hello, hello. Yeah, so we have a winning game, a league winning game to look forward to or look back at uh, on this week's podcast. Hopefully we have another game to look forward to this Thursday against Hearts. We'll start with the Aberdeen Celtic 2 Aberdeen 1 it didn't look like it was going to end up in a win for large parts of this game but eventually it did Jota got the opening goal a penalty from Lewis Ferguson equalized it for Aberdeen and then captain Cal McGregor got the winning goal and it looked like it really meant a lot to him when his celebration was a really good celebration you can see it in the thumbnail I watched this game semi live I was I was in the Aviva stadium at the FAI uh, cup final for the League of Ireland, so I I didn't watch big, it big in, time in it again. All this, all these in important my, trips, in my full capacity. leaving us behind, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, what's he up to here? I, I don't know. Listen, and I get your you autograph the, next time I see you. If you saw the stream that I was watching the game on, you wouldn't be looking for my <laughs> autograph. It was uh, low, low, low definition. But what I did see was the penalty, which I was just like, oh my god, not again. Here we go again. <laughs> We'll start with general thoughts then, Alan. I guess with with this game, Aberdeen are a really tough opponent, regardless of you know where the teams are at. It's, when Celtic play Aberdeen, it's always going to be a big enough game. So, what was your general thoughts on the performance for the large uh, for the majority of the game? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say Aberdeen are, are tough. I just think they're a, a kind of featureless mess. I honestly don't understand really what they're trying to do. What was bizarre was the first 10 minutes of the game, they, they pressed Celtic really high up the pitch and, they, and, and Celtic lost possession in our own third three times in the opening 10 minutes. You know, they were flying into tackles. You know, Joe Hart got a big dunt, got a whiplash injury, was down for quite a while. Um, there wasn't a single pack pass. And I've gone bang on about pack passes, right? Pack passes, there's, if in a 90-minute game, broadly speaking, you're going to get about one every... Kind of minute and a half. every minute and a half, you're going to get sort of every minute. So you're going to get probably two, two to three, right? So over two probably 
at most 120 kind of pack passes over 90 minutes, 130, something like that, right? There was no pack passes the opening 10 minutes, right? So Celtic didn't once get the ball and actually managed to play past Aberdeen. So effective was their high press and and, and so, you know, aggressively were they flying into uh, into challenges. And uh, and then they stopped. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, why did why did you stop? It's like that was that was obviously really working for you. And I, and I just don't I just don't get Aberdeen. I don't know what they're trying to what their uh, what their approach is is and what their system was or anything like that really. But um, and then and then it was like it never it just like after that opening ten minutes and then there was a couple of I think a couple of shots early in the first half. Um, there was nothing from them and and they literally. It was like Celtic just had them at arm's length. There was nothing that Aberdeen could seem to do to change that. Um, you know, they, they had a bit of an over-physical approach, but otherwise, other than a late header from a corner, which I know Juranovic cleared it off the line, but it, the guy was going away from goal and it was a header, so it was a pretty low, low probability chance. They, they, they created like nothing, and Celtic were able to play in a way which reminded me of. Rogers' season when, again, it was, we had these eleven games in December and nine league games, and and I, and I have to look back. But as I recall, we were playing teams like Dundee and Partick Thistle at home, and it was like one nil and two one, and at best we might sort of push the boat out and get the odd two nil. But really, essentially, it was like, what's the minimum effort we can put into this game and still win it? And that's what that's what that, that felt like. It's what's the minimum we can do and still win the game, which is probably smart, right? Apart from mm. little Kyogo, who ran himself into the ground once again and like almost had to be dragged off the pitch, you know, and exhausted after 80, 86 minutes. The rest of them, I think, just pretty much coasted through the game. So that that's kind of my broad strokes going to take away. Uh, we can get into the numbers and some of the specifics uh, after James has had his shot. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, James, I, I, do you want to hop in? Yeah, I basically echo Alan's sentiment. I mean, uh, we've talked about this in recent shows that we've kind of adjusted uh, our style of play. And it's echoed. I think Alan and I have shared this view a lot like that 1819 Rogers uh, iteration. Um, so I, I agree during the, the seasonal period in December, it seems like we might be heading uh, in a, in a comparable way. I, I think that the uh, I, I've been laughing tongue in cheek about uh, Aberdeen since June because of their, uh, their recruitment uh, heading into the season and just not really understanding what their game plan was going to be. Uh, so haven't been terribly surprised with the fact that they've been a bit of a mess, uh, you know, in fairness to them, they've underperformed some of their, you know, kind of XG related metrics. So there could be some mean reversion that they could be, uh, 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 due for, but if you just look at the sheer athleticism that they put on the field on the pitch, I mean, some of that's injury. I mean, they have a quite a bit of injuries, but their, their best two fullbacks were gone out, I think injured or suspended. I don't know. They weren't there. I don't track them that closely. Um, McGuck and Brown as two of the central midfielders. Uh, Ramirez is not a fleet of foot guy playing at striker. Uh, even Ferguson, who's a young guy who's athletic, I wouldn't classify him as particularly, you know, speedy or laterally quick. He's more of a, you know, just a, a nice blend of those things when you put it together in the physique he has, a good, you know, good player for that level. Uh, so if you just look at the athleticism, that that's to me probably the biggest takeaway I have from the game was the concern of that's first 10 to 15 minutes relative mm. to McCarthy's playing um, and, and what that looked like given a, the opponent was not a team that has 
what you would consider to be um, the athleticism that should be giving us a problem in a press. Um, So they were somewhat coordinated, somewhat coherent. And like Alan said, I mean, we really looked like we were struggling for that first 10 minutes uh, to get out. And, you know, that that's a systemic issue that we've been having um, really all season as a result of, you know, how Ange wants to play relative to the personnel that we have. And with McGregor not in that six role, um, you know, to me, to me, that that's if I'm going to take a worrisome thing out of it, that would be it. Otherwise, it was just a complete snooze fest dominant um, display. It was a it was a little hair raising because of the penalty until Forrest came on, because even our chance creation was a little blase up until that point. You know, we were kind of just sleepwalking through it. Um, and so that was key, I think. And and uh, they tired because of the lack of depth, I think. Um, so that's it. Yeah, well, I, I think the, the first 10 minutes is interesting because that's what most sides will try against Celtic, I guess, because if you can take the lead in those 10 minutes, then Celtic are immediately up against it. But I will say that for Celtic, I wouldn't be too worried about the opening 10 minutes not being able to get out as long as they survive that because generally Celtic will eventually take control of the game and implement implement their own team and eventually they will be the dominant side like they were against Aberdeen. So, I, I mean, I can't see it happening against bigger teams because I don't think bigger teams will come out all guns blazing trying to to kill Celtic straight away. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things to keep an eye on, but I don't think it's a, a massive issue personally. The main talking point from this, though, is what you sort of alluded to there, James, and that's James McCarthy coming into the number six position in midfield with Cal McGregor moving up into an eight and David Turnbull playing alongside him. Alan, you did a piece for your website, Celtic by Numbers, on, on James McCarthy's performance. From what I've seen off the game and what I've seen re-watching the game, for me, probably one of his stronger performances so to, to date in the Celtic shirt. Yeah, I think it's fair to say he grew into it. He got stronger as the game went on, which is also encouraging. Um, I mean, I'm genuinely interested in what kind of player McCarthy is because I'll be honest with you, you know, I know Endo, obviously you're Irish, you've followed him with the national team a lot. I haven't really watched James McCarthy since he was at Hamilton and that was a long time yeah. ago. And he was a young kid then and more more of an, an eight. I mean, I do remember him being a hard-working player and not someone who was blessed with a lot of creativity or was gonna, ever, ever going to threaten the goal particularly. Um, but what what was interesting and a, and, a, and a highlight is if you want to look at positives is he actually did he did he won more challenges than any other Celtic player he had the best defensive action success rate of all the other Celtic players his recoveries um, were, were up there you know just one behind Welsh in terms of 17 recoveries um, won six challenges like I mentioned um, and he had that one absolute uh, beautiful pass that set up uh, inadvertently set up the the McGregor goal, he literally he, he had one of those rare, rare events. Yeah, one of those rare events uh, in, from a packing perspective where he actually took out the whole team with one pass, which is pretty impressive, right? It, it happens once or twice a season in, in, uh, in the time I've been collecting this data. So for him to do that, and then obviously a bad shot uh, then resulted in the clearance that went in off, I think it was McGregor's right leg. <laughs> so you know, classify as a right-footed right shot, right? Um so, so you know, that was his that was his big moment and easily the best moment of his career in Celtic in, in that sense. Uh, so that defensive challenge, you know, his ability to harry, to win challenges, to to be in the right place at the right time, he he didn't get packed 
a lot. He wasn't bypassed too much. Um, and actually, his pack passing was on a par with McGregor's and Turnbull's for the game, uh, which was which is good. So all I think those are all the positives. Uh, in terms of the negatives, are you know, again, it's just the, it's just the overall physicality and pace that he plays at. If he if he ran around at the same with the same kind of um, the same physicality as Sorrow does, if he put McCarthy's kind of probably more mature physical, uh, sorry, mental positional attributes and his timing of the tackle. If you put them into a, a younger, more athletic body, then I think you've got a real, a real good, good player. Um, there was a bit of debate with somebody on Twitter that I had, uh, not a debate, but he, point, he was pointing out being at the game that he felt that McCarthy missed a lot of vertical passing opportunities. And again, I don't think it's his nature to look for that aggressive, quick forward pass. So, and, and, and as I say, I can't, Say that that I don't recall those incidents, but it's, as I say, the data says his pack passing was at least as good as McGregor's and Turnbull's in that regard, um, and indeed his expected assists was there were all three of them had much the same, um, yeah. and obviously did really offer he, he did touch the ball in the box at one point, but really offers nothing from a final third perspective really. So, you know, some some nice some a nice performance I would say. Um, but it's still the nagging doubt that it's not really. I don't think it's. I think he's in the wrong movie. I don't think it's really what you know. He's a Roman centurion, and this is a cowboy film. It's like you know, he's going to be. He's going to have some useful moments, but generally, when the bullets start flying, I'm not sure it's what we need. Yeah, I I would call him a, a breaker upper more than anything. Mm. Like get when the ball, play a short pass, and yeah, that's that's your job done for another yeah. five five ten minutes to see when when the next job comes around. Yeah. I was actually trying to think of another player that I could link him with, but the modern day center defensive midfielders are required to do a lot more than that. So um, I'm, I'm actually struggling to think of, of a comparison. But yeah, he's he's a win the ball back, give the ball five yard pass, and then uh, that's your job done again uh, for another while. But James, were you impressed? Not impressed with McCarthy? I know, I know for sure you you don't think he fits into the team, but in general uh, of of his performance at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think um, given what what are what I would consider, uh-huh, which maybe I'm crazy, but what I would consider to be reasonable expectations for him playing in this system, I thought he played really well. Um, meaning that he didn't cause any significant blunders. You know, he didn't uh, surrender a huge chance to the opposition in a bad spot. Um, as Alan said, he was efficient in what he's able to do. Uh, and that, you know, his underlying data at, uh, Crystal Palace suggested when he gets somewhere, he's still very effective in winning tackles. The question is the mobility and, um, you know, being able to get around the pitch the way that, that we might want, um, even in like, uh, uh, even in what Brown's role in let's say 17, 18 was, I mean, I, I think this is me again, I don't, we don't have tracking data, but I, I'd be shocked if he's got the level of mobility that Brown had in kind of the 31, 32, 33 seasons. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we need data for that. Well, again, it's, I, it's pretty obvious we don't, I suspect that's the case. Right. So again, I don't know for, for fact, but, um, and you know, his range of passing seems relatively basic outside of some, I mean, that's the second one now. I mean, he hasn't played a lot and he had a, an assist. I forget which team it was against, but he had another brilliant through ball around the box. You know, maybe they're like lightning strikes. They're, they're going to come in frequently, but have a lot of power to them. Um, I mean, that was just a brilliant, a brilliant 
uh, vision and delivery and and uh, uh, the, the pace on the ball. I mean, it was just an excellent pass. Um, so, yeah, I, I think given what we can realistically expect out of him, um, that that was a, a really good performance. But that doesn't really change the structural issues like we talked about in those first 10 minutes. And, you know, obviously we have a disagreement. And I, I think it. I worry because um, that's now I always look for patterns. And uh, that's the second opponent now relatively recently that came out trying to ambush us early. St. Johnston did it. Um, and while St. Johnston created absolutely nothing against us from open play, which is similar to Aberdeen, and they haven't been able to all season, similar to Aberdeen, uh, we had three really hairy moments against St. Johnston where, you know, they almost caused a calamitous level of a, a problem building out. And that was with um, without McCarthy <laughs> uh, in that spot. Yeah. Beaton played that game, um, so I, I really get concerned about you know team because team, teams teams probably can't keep that up outside of maybe Rangers for any length of time because they don't have the athleticism. They're they're going to excuse my crudeness. They're going to blow their load too quick and then be exhausted and then we're going to just annihilate them. Um, because their, their fatigue is going to set in too fast. So I, I worry about that kind of ambush, force a, an error, get a goal, and then bunker. And we've already talked about our issues breaking down some of these deep-lying opponents at this point. Um, so that that's kind of the strategic way that I would – like if, if I'm an opponent, that's the playbook that I'm trying to go for, uh, where I have – particularly at Celtic Park, where you know normally they have like – you know, a 5% chance of getting anything out of the game. Um, so that that's that's my concern is you're going to start to see teams seeing some kind of playbook to try and compete against Celtic. Um, and two, two is just two, <laughs> um, but it's more than one. And, uh, yeah. you know, these teams do at least enough video analysis, even lower tier teams, um, that I would think they're going to start to pick up on this kind of stuff. Yeah. My, my point would be that this isn't a new thing. It's like, if, even if you go down the divisions into Sunday league football, the lower level sides will go at the higher level sides at the start because they have, they're full of energy and they're trying to get them cut, catch them out off guard. Essentially, maybe they're, maybe they're sleeping going into the first 10 minutes. That's why they're trying to get them before they get into their shape, before they get into their formations, before they get ready for like the, the 60 odd 70 minutes of the, the main game so that's like it is a concern don't get me wrong but i i just personally think that celtic are good enough to ride out most of the storms that will come at them in the first 10 minutes of these games on james mccarthy what's interesting is and i'm shane shane duffy and i, I i'm cautious using the term Shane Duffy on the show after last year but <laughs> he, he in in the last uh, couple of games for ireland he has been really good like phenomenally good in terms of where he came from last year to where he is now playing the ball spraying long diagonal balls to the wingers uh, driving out from defense of the ball confidently looks like a completely different player than what Celtic had and the Irish manager Stephen Kenny was asked about him and his newfound confidence and it was actually me that asked the question um I asked him is this something that he has instilled within Shane Duffy or is this something Shane Duffy is dri driving forward himself and he said that he felt that Shane Duffy was shoehorned into what he became as a 
defender by coaches in the past. So when he was playing for Everton and when he was playing for uh, Brighton under Chris Hutton, he was shoehorned into being the big man that can't play any football. And now he's showing that he can. So perhaps that's what happened with, with James McCarthy, that coaches saw him and said, okay, you're really good at breaking up the ball, but you can't pass it very well. And then he spent five, six years of his career just doing that and didn't really concentrate on on the other tools. So maybe these tools are in his locker and it takes a coach like Ainz to bring them out, or maybe he's just no good at them. We'll, we'll just have to, to wait and see in terms of uh, what he's being asked to do. One stat that has been kind of circulating on social media coming from uh, Optus Sport, which is kind of tying into our midfield conversation here, is that Ainz Ball, quote-unquote, quote is the number one uh, sort of, uh, it's the number one tactic, I don't know what you want to call it, for the most ball circulations across the 40 leagues worldwide. Celtic have the uh, lowest, highest amount uh, of kilometers for passes so far in the league, uh, in all 40 leagues across the world. 12.8 kilometers is uh, the ball circulation. Do, do one of you who understand these numbers want to <laughs> run us through it and explain it? I haven't seen the definition for it. I mean, I shared it because I thought it was interesting, but who, whoever presented it and had shared it that I picked up on offered no explanation for it, and I couldn't see an explanation for it. And I haven't been on this. I think it's the whatever the I can't remember the name of the website that that came up with it. Um, so I don't. I'm not going to pretend that I actually understand it. But what what I would say is it's probably it's probably very interesting from a style. It tells you something about the style, and, and that we're kind of some kind of outlier. Uh, in terms of the stylistic way that Celtic play, which which is um, interesting. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. It couldn't be both at the same time for different reasons. Um, just just to come back to you a bit on uh, your uh, on McCarthy, just one last point, really. Uh, I do admire your optimism. However, my understanding <laughs> is that McCarthy's biggest strength, uh, especially when he was at Everton, where he was recognised to have had a good spell, was the fact that, you know, um, he was recognised as being somebody who was basically everywhere. <laughs> he was everywhere all at the same time or around the park. And um, that's a physical thing. And you're not going to get that back. I just don't see it. So that that ability to just literally cover the ground and and plug holes and fill fill gaps. Um, uh, for, for uh, you know, so is, it, That sounds like a, a great player that actually would fit well into Postacoglu's system because because of the, the allow, would allow freedom for the fullbacks and so forth. But um, but I don't, I don't see get, we getting us getting that player back again, unfortunately. No, he's had too many injuries at this point. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have a crack at that stat real quick. Hmm. Um, my, my my guess is, and again, like Alan, I don't know. My guess would be that it has something to do with um, tracking data for the physical ball. I mean, that they've got these op- optical cameras now, and they, I don't. That may not be ca- the case for forty leagues. So I'd be interested to see what the methodology is and how they're actually tracking it. Um, maybe they're doing using event data and they're tracking length of pass. I know Y Scout has that, and and some other vendors are uh, tracking, um, you know, using grids on 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 the pitch as far as length of each pass. So maybe they they're adding those up. But th- the other observation I had was relative to the other teams on the list. So number two, I believe, was Zagreb. Um, so I think a lot of that has to do with. Um, style of play but also imposing that style of play at a league level where the opponents are largely inferior to a large, a significant degree you know so we've been playing games where they we're getting 700 plus passes regularly uh with 75 percent possession um mm-hmm. 
So I think that that's probably it's that combination of looking to dominate possession, probably being a little bit more direct. I mean, not as not as ticky tacky as uh, some teams that have played that style. So longer balls, taking out bigger chunks of of uh, defenses, um, and and but just having a lot of the ball doing that. So that that's kind of how I would think about it. Yeah. So Dynamo Zagreb, Ajax, Bayern Munich, Man City, Sevilla. MSK Zelina, uh, Liverpool, Bodo Glimt, and Barcelona are the rest of the sides. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In the top 10 for, for this. I just like it because I'm able to throw shade at Eddie Howe, who is yet winless with his Newcastle side at the bottom. Of <laughs> Get over it. So, so just want to just want to throw that out there. I'm, I'm, I just want to express my gratitude to Celtic for fo- foibling that appointment and somehow managing to get uh, Ange Postecoglou out of the blue. So I, I'm just happy about that. Before we move on to the the Hearts game this week, because again, you're looking at a tricky opponent. Um, what are we thinking about this Aberdeen game? As a whole, Alan, what were some of your observations from rewatching? Yeah, so I think my, my I suppose concerns, I guess, um, would be the the way that Postecoglou sets his team up. Um, the strikers just don't get involved much right now. I I think it's stylistic. I don't think it's just to do with the type of personnel. Um, but but it, it's it's almost a bit of a throwback. It's a bit like you said earlier, and about. You know, a, a, a sitting a sitting defensive midfielder isn't really a sitting defensive midfielder anymore. They have to be active both in pressing high and and actually progressing the ball vertically as well. 
and that notion of having that sort of sitting six just just strolling around kind of plugging the gaps doesn't really exist anymore for certainly the top you know the top teams they, they look for more out of that six position and similarly if you think about the striking role um the the type of striker and I'm going to use Michael Owen as an example, right? A sort of Michael Owen type of player who, who all they're wanting to do is run in behind and score goals. There's no link-up play. There's, there's no moving outside the width of the penalty area or even the six-yard box, actually, in Michael Owen's case. And, and Kyogo is almost being... I don't know whether he's being made or he is resembling that type of player. Um, but but modern strikers generally aren't like that. They they're ha- they have to be more like Edward, I suppose, in the sense of you know come outside, link the play, make space for third people running in from midfield, and all that kind of thing. So there's, there's just a little bit. I'm just wondering, you know, is this the optimal use having having a striker who's so little involved and essentially playing with 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 ten you know sort of uh, nine outfield players? Really, is what it comes down to. Was one yeah. concern? Can I can I just hop in? Yeah, and yeah go on. Maybe give yeah. a theory on that. Hmm. the different ways that teams are using strikers now is hmm. very interesting. I think Klopp sort of brought it to the top level with Firmino and his false nine and, hmm. and Pep has been doing it with, you know, several different people in that, in that position, including Bernardo Silva at one point. Pat Nevin actually compared Kyogo's running and uh, positioning and, and style of play to Jamie Vardy, which I thought was, Quite an interesting observation because he does make up similar enough uh, positions and 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 runs in in the same sort of manner. I I I would be disappointed if Kyogo was just a pawn because I think he's just too much too too good of a player to be a pawn in the system. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mixture between him doing that role and and being sort of a pawn and, and a pawn runner to create space for Jota. But I also do think it's it is it does come down to not being able to pick out him pick him out sometimes. Yeah. I agree with that as well. I, I don't think we're spotting his run. Even now, we're not. Don't seem to be spotting his runs uh, quickly enough. Uh, the other, the other slight concern I took from the game was just the the sort of you know falling a little bit into Jota dependency. Uh, Celtic have for the last how many seasons? God, been left side dominant, and and that's a feature of Tierney and McGregor. You know. Versus you know so so versus what's been on the right hand side where Lustig tended to tuck in and but even even in the last couple of years we don't seem to have um, kind of weaned ourselves off of that and that imbalance and that left side dominance is almost becoming crippling because not crippling but it's going to become easy to defend against for certain for teams right I mean Yota is so effective and Yota is so good at getting on the ball and finding space and making himself available. Uh, when you've got Abada who really needs to be found, <laughs> you need to find him in the right area. He's not one that seems so good at making space for himself. Um, Forrest may be a little bit more effective in that regard. Just, just one to look out for is that kind of jota dependency, and will we become, to, you know, will we become easy to to nullify because of that? So those are just the two little nagging things that I took away from from it in my head. Uh, curious, Alan, what what was uh, Jota's uh, impact score for the game? Yeah. So again, uh, was off. I'm thinking. I'm my guess. That's why I'm asking. My guess is it was insane. So in terms of receiving, so pack receiving receiving pack passes, right? Just receipts. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's twenty received twenty three. The next highest would be fourteen. Right. Right. His overall his overall packing score one six six. McGregor. I mean, McGregor was my man of the match. I mean, he he had slightly less than that, but Jota was. Again, leading by that metric, and most of it to do with his ability to find space and get on the ball. Thank you. Interesting. 
if you're watching on YouTube, do leave a comment below and subscribe to the channel as well. Um, we're trying to get the numbers up as much as we can. A lot of conversation going on at the minute about the imminent January transfer window coming up in at the end of the month, it's the 1st of December, I guess. So that's why people are starting to get into the transfer window buzz. There's going to be a lot of players that uh, Celtic are going to want to get. And there's a couple of players that seem to be already in the door. So we will do a special on that at some point. We won't take up too much time tonight talking about it. We'll move on to the Hearts game on Thursday night then. This is a very important game, you would say, in Celtic season because if you look at the results throughout the year, if you look at the fixtures coming up, Hearts are, albeit they've played an extra game to us, two points behind Celtic in the table at the minute. And with momentum... Given that Hearts are one of those sides that you're actually competing against this year, the momentum of this game could actually have an impact on Celtics games over the next couple of weeks, realistically, you would say. Yeah, I I think this is a uh, terrific barometer game, um, given some of the things that we've been talking about in recent weeks. So Hearts are a legit... um, third place team, let's call it, relative to kind of underlying performance metrics. Uh, I wouldn't say completely across the board, but when you kind of, you know, doing a balanced view, at least that's my assessment. If, if you just look at a simple kind of non-penalty XG differential, they're third. And um, now th- how that is composed is interesting. They're better from open play. They're basically third in open play. So th- what, what I think of them at this point is um, they they have a little bit better um, quality, let's say a Dundee United, uh, with arguably the best performing keeper in the league from a shot stopping perspective. And that's not coming out of nowhere. Um, so, you know, Gordon's had a fairly decent record over time, even despite his age, where he's been able to put it together for some performances that are game changing, you know, the kind that win, win points for a team. Uh, he did that at Celtic, certainly at times. Um, so that that's that's where I would, uh, you know, that's why I talk about that formula, which is they're a reasonably okay pressing side. Their their average uh, defensive distance, which is a metric that that Statbomb uh, keeps, is you know higher up the pitch than let's say uh, a, a Hibs or a Dundee United. So I I take that as that they're more likely to be. A, a more aggressive pressing side for at least a stretch of time, like we've seen in the last two games, right? So my pattern concern is is leading up to uh, Thursday. So this is why I think it's a good bellwether game. Will they deploy a similar kind of ambush strategy early? They'd probably be a little bit better than uh, an Aberdeen as far as the athleticism um, and uh, a little bit better quality. And uh, the issue there is if they do happen to nick a goal, you've got the formula of a good keeper and then they go to bunker because they're at Celtic Park. Um, If I was them, that's the formula I'd be looking at. And I think they've got enough of quality in those different aspects that they could present a more significant problem relative to a St. Johnston or relative to what we saw from Aberdeen, given all their injury issues and, you know, who they who they had available relative to athleticism. Um, so shouldn't be, I mean, again, it should be a, that's why I think it's a good test. It shouldn't be one that we should fail. Um, but 
it's a little bit step up as far as matchups and where maybe some of our vulnerabilities relative to the opponent's strengths. The other big thing that red flags is they've been really poor on set piece defense. Uh, they're one of the worst in the league. Um, we're kind of due in that regard. Maybe we'll score a freaking header off a corner for a <laughs> first time in a little while. Um, so maybe, maybe Ralston or Carter Vickers will get on the end of something here. Yeah, potentially. I'm just looking back at Hart's results and particularly their lineups. Um, they play a 3-4-3, which is quite interesting. Alan, how do you think that's going to affect the game and affect how Celtic approach it? One thing that we should note is that Liam Boyce is going to be fit for this game as well. He scored six goals in 12 games that he's played for Hart so far, so obviously a threat. So uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they're a little bit like Celtic in the the, 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 I would say Celtic, Motherwell, Hearts, and, and probably uh, the Rangers as well, although they've been a new manager, slightly different shape, are, are all in that group of teams that kind of play the same way every every game. Whereas there's some teams that, that really mix it up and change their approach depending on the opponent. But Hearts are one of those that, although they, they sometimes play a number 10 and push push a player further forward, but generally it's that 3-4-3 three, three shape that they've settled into. Um, yeah. And, and their league form, like you say, they've actually uh, their their form did coincide. You mentioned Liam Boyce, uh, six goals off of six point one three xg. His absence and that of Halliday's, oh, I'm only messing with you, coincided with their, <laughs> their, 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 poor form, their poor form. Andy Halliday will be exchanging Christmas cards with his buddy uh, Bobby Madden before the game. I should imagine. But, um, no, so 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 you might be yeah. making an appearance on a podcast beforehand or something. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, they haven't actually won away in the league since the end of August. There you go. So their away form is not being great. And they've only won two out of the last seven league games. So for me, um, the biggest news, though, is that it looks like Beningami is injured and won't be playing. Now, I think that's a massive, that's a, that's massive, a big massive blow for them. He he is excellent in terms of that, that Joe, that effectively that McCarthy role that we just talked about. He does that really well and probably a little bit more... Uh, more um, athletically, in terms of again, I'm, 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 I've used stats bomb data for this, but his pressure regains, his number of tackles, even the number of fouls he wins because he he gets in there are all within the sort of eighty percent and, and plus quartile in the league, and he's also got eighty six percent passing, which is really high for Hearts, um, whose team average is seventy five percent. So essentially, you know, they're losing Beningami and all of the aggression and ball winning. Uh, capability and ground covering capability that he has, and they're going to replace him with either. Well, actually, they're probably going to have to play Haring and Halliday. So happy days, I think. And I might live to regret that when Haring bangs <laughs> one in from a corner. But but, it, but you know, I'd, I'd take I'd take that right. Um, if you look at if you look at I'd, I'm I'm going to start to do something throughout the season, and I'm, and I nicked it from somebody on Twitter as I always do. Um, this sort of good lucky chart which plots your xG versus your actual. Um, and we're a Celtic are, are right in that good unlucky quadrant, as in we're so outperforming our, so underperforming our XG. You know, the our goals were scoring just so, so under. And it, it and it wasn't those six nil blowouts, by the way, because those six nil blowouts had nearly six XG in both of them, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's across the season we're under, we're not scoring as many goals as we should be, given the quality of the chances that we're creating. Whereas Hearts are kind of quite nicely in that. Um, you know that sort of good and lucky quadrant with with you know who uh, positive variance FC. Um, you know and and so there so there so I think it might be the Liam Boyce factor, a good finisher, really good finisher. Um, Gary Mackay Stevens had a good season. 
I'd be, I'm, what I'm going to be fascinated to see is if they're brave enough to play Barry Mackay, Mackay, Stephen, and Boyce as a front three. I think that would be really interesting. It'd be high risk, but uh, both Mackay and Mackay Stephen are, are decent uh, pressing as well. Uh, and Mackay's a uh, Mackay's having a very good creative season, and Mackay Stephen's actually having a really good goal scoring uh, season. So that's one to look out for. Um, it's interesting what uh, you said about uh, Gordon, because um, they're actually, although they're, um, th- I actually looked at the Statsbomb data and him and him, uh, Hart and Gordon were pretty evenly matched on shot stopping. So maybe maybe Hart's doing okay in that regard as well. Other thing to say is, you know, traditionally Hearts have been a bit of a long ball team when we've played them, but they're now kind of fourth for completed passing. Um, and they're actually ninth for attempted long balls. But but what is interesting is that their back three, which is likely to be Halkett, Suter, and Kingsley, are all pretty capable of pinging, pinging the ball accurately from distance. So that's another one to look out for as well. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting game, I think, and especially if they if they play McKay, McKay and McKay Steve, I think that will make them a little bit open, but it will make it quite a good game. Yeah. Another thing to keep an eye out for is that three of the last four Hearts games have ended with a red card in the game. So not to preface anything. Um, two of them have been Hearts red Hush, cards. Bite your tongue. So, well, this no. another, another thing. Another, another thing. I'll just chuck in is when we played Hearts. This, this was the Postacoglu's first ever league game, right? So this is the Andy Halliday challenge on Cal McGregor as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, the, the Yorkshire Whistler looked at that said. It, he should have had a yellow. I don't think he even got a yellow for it, but he should have had a yellow, not a red. But anyway, the but but you're but you're right. The 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 Celtic goal that was disallowed when I think it was one nil to Celtic at the time, if I'm correct, or was it one one one? It would have put Celtic two one up with a half an hour to go. Massive impact on the season actually in terms of the expected points Celtic should have got from that incident. And if you look at the xG for that initial game, it was something like I've got I had it as one point nine to like one. Um, that would have pushed it up into point two point four to one. That would have been a, you know, and two two one would have been the least that Celtic deserved out of that game. And that's with a team that was Bain, Rolston, Bitten, Starfelt, Taylor, Sorrow, McGregor, Turnbull, Abada, Edward, Forrest. I would I would suggest we've got a lot more coherent um, setup. They've they've benefited very much from having quite a nicely settled team all season. I will say as well that injury to Boyce was one of the few times that they're. Key players have been disrupted. So this bank, this Beningami missing is a huge blow for them. Don't underestimate that. Mm. I know you don't like doing um, predictions for the game. So I want actually to predict the, the winner of this game. What, what I will ask is, is James Forrest going to start this game? Should James Forrest start this game? I think so. I hope so. Um, no idea. I, I, one would think it might be more likely given that he didn't start, meaning that it was just, you know, uh, Ange's answer to that, I think, relative to rotation and him just coming back from a long-term injury, that kind of thing all makes perfect sense. Um, so hopefully he's, he's rested and, and, uh, and makes it back, uh, r- real quick on the keeper thing. And, and this introduces uh, another concept I talk about, um, which, uh, we, we've just gotten access to a stats bomb nerds, this new metric called OBV, uh, which tries to measure value. But um, Gordon and Hart are pretty much comparable as far as shot stopping. The main delta there, the big big difference is that Gordon has to face a lot more. 
So he's he's uh, on a rate basis. They're basically comparable, but like a post shot XG, like how much uh, he has to stop because he gets he faces a lot like double the shots. Um, he's basically double heart. So, you know, this goes back to the issue where Celtic keepers just don't face a lot of shots. Uh, whereas you get below Celtic and Rangers and then the league, other teams face, you know, literally close to double um, on a, on a pretty routine, routine basis. So yeah, heart has been terrific from a shot stopping perspective in in the league. It's just, he doesn't have to do it as much. But both just, so just both, but both teams have conceded r- roughly exactly, well, almost exactly their XG against. Right. It's the, the, the post shot for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, whether it's luckiness of the the strikers uh, finishing uh, and just the variance of that, um, the post shot XG is that uh, Gordon's face is actually double. Um, Now that again, that's as a, as per stats bombs metric, but yeah, they're both, you know, basically it's Xander Clark as, as the top in the league, which I would speculate is not sustainable. Um, But then it's Gordon and, and Hart right now in two and three. What surprised me um, is that despite Hearts, you know, not conceding that many goals or XG against matching, Gordon has to has, has made more saves per game than any other keeper in the league. That, that was that astonished me. That's really it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to work out how that how that could be. So because they don't even they don't even give up that many shots, they just don't seem very good at um, you know protecting the goalkeeper. It would seem. That's I. That's kind of that my optimism. And again, not not getting into. Um, uh, a prediction, but I, I like the matchup because I don't think they're very well managed. I don't think they're all that organized. I think most of why they're doing what they're doing is because they have a higher wage budget and a little bit better quality players than than a lot of other teams in the league. Uh, so when you look at kind of uh, structural type indicators, you know the the strength of their Jenga tower. Um, I suspect that's not great, and and I think Alan, that's a a, a representation of that is that they give up a decent number of shots. They don't limit clear shots very well. That's a metric in stats bomb, which I think is one that lends itself to like, how good's your system? Are, are you letting a lot of one-on-ones with your keeper on a regular basis? They do. I mean, they, they get cracked through pretty regularly. And again, that's where that value comes in because they're not that organized and they're not that good in that sense. Gordon kind of from a leverage perspective, he's offering so much value to them because he's having to face that kind of stuff more so than, you know, let's say somebody at Rangers or or uh, obviously Hart with, with Celtic. So I actually will. I lied. I will push you for a prediction <laughs> on this game. Um, <laughs> is Celtic going to win this game? Um, I, I I'm going to say yes. I, I guess if you want to give me the manner of the the performance more than the the results of the game. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I think it'll be a good matchup for Celtic. Uh, I think you know because of the. The, again, the, with Beningami not being there, they're going to be overrun, in, you know, but in midfield again because they, they just don't have the athleticism or the guile in midfield. So, I think clearly set pieces are going to be a huge issue. They've got three towering centre halves. <laughs> they're going to be playing Boyce, as, as we know, is, is a clever player as well. So that's going to be the key risk. But yeah, I'd be hopeful of a, a couple, couple of goal, two nil win. Let's say, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Um... I'm going to, I'm going to, I think there's a decent chance we'll concede just because of like Alan said, I mean, they, they do have some weapons in the air. 
I'm worried about their pace on the wings relative to that the space that we surrender out there because of the inverted fullbacks. And we've talked about that before and some of the issues that we have defending crosses. Um, and because, you know, if Boyce is playing, he's a decent guy in the box to finish. Um, so, yeah, I, I think 2-1 is kind of what I would, I'm would i thinking. I think we should get uh, uh, some pretty good attacking options. If anything, I'd say the skew of uh, risk here is that we score three or four um, because they do have those issues in midfield. And, and um, as Alan said, we're due to have a game where we have some hot shooting maybe. We're due for a turn bowl from 25 yards kind of game. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with three one. I think Celtic will be too much for them, but I do think, like you, I, I think Celtic will concede in the game. That's where we'll leave you off for this week's huddle breakdown. We are on the uh, Celtic State of Mind special, the charity weekender that's going on. Uh, you can tune in across the weekend to loads of different Celtic shows. Um, we're going to be on on Sunday at three o'clock, which is after the Dundee United game. So it'll autom- pretty much be uh, straight after the game, and we'll be we'll be talking about that game, and we'll we'll do something extra as well for that that weekenders. So do tune in to a Celtic State of Mind on their YouTube or on their on their Twitter, wherever you you can find them. All across the weekend, there's going to be loads of good stuff as well. You know. It took all of my strength not to make a Giovanni Van Brockhorst is small joke throughout this show, <laughs> given that is the running theme on Twitter over the last couple of days. But, you know, keep them coming. Keep them coming because it's clearly getting to the other side of Glasgow. <laughs> if you want to watch the Huddle Breakdown back, you can get it on this YouTube channel. You can subscribe below or you can listen back to us as well on Spotify or on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to give us uh, a rating as well so that helps it boost up and and lets more people see it as well so we'll chat to you on sunday in the aftermath of the dundee united game but until then take it easy good luck